0: you are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities.
1: Once this correction is over, um, also from an Elliott Wave point of view, you can expect uh, a very, very strong rally because this will be phase three in, in, in the Elliott Wave count. And that's the strongest. Phase and it will take longer than the rally we saw last year, and, and it will bring more profits percent wise um, compared to the rally we had last year. So <laughs> This is a time to buy. This is not a time to sell.
0: I'm Bill Powers. Thanks for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. And in today's show, we're going to be hearing from uh, Willem Middlecope. He is a fund manager with the Commodity Discovery Fund. Seven months ago, we checked in with Willem about where he was putting his money, and he gave us his thoughts on the precious metals. Well, that was the peak at that time, so I'm interested to get an update. Willem, welcome back onto the show. And since your fund invests in discovery plays, thus the name Commodity commodity discovery uh, fund, but you also use the Elliott Wave analysis, technical analysis to determine tops and near-term bottoms and such. So, If you discern a top and then you expect it trending down for a period of time, several months, does that affect when and how you invest in these discovery plays?
1: Um, No, not on the real world-class discovery plays. Um, our portfolio is constructed like this uh, 50% of our portfolio is buy and hold in the top 50 best mineral metal discoveries worldwide, one could say, metal agnostic. So when we have a position in the gray mining or Greatland gold or Great Bear resources, uh, we don't scale them down because gold or silver is reaching an intermediate top according to the Elliott Wave uh, count. So, um, But the other part of our portfolio, the other 50% is invested in more liquid stuff, let's say the ETFs, uh, the royalty place. And and these uh, positions we trade a little bit more based on technical indicators. And a great example was the rally we uh, experienced last year in the precious metal sector, um which topped out in early august after a very strong uh, bull run which gave us five months in a row with double digit returns and after um uh, yeah doing the Elliott wave analysis it turned out that august could well be an intermediate top so we really scaled back our precious metals investments so we took quite a bit of profit um, we switched quite a bit of our portfolio to other metals, uh, like uranium um, and silver. And, um, and because of this, uh, our fund is up uh, 10% compared to August last year, while the GDX and gold equities are down 30%, 35%. So I think it pays off to have a very active um, well, portfolio management. Uh, People always say um, um, our our fees are quite high. We we have a performance fee of 20%. Um, But if if I tell them that the GDX uh, returned 24% last year in 2020 and we we returned 85%, uh, you're happy you you can pay a performance fee of 20% because it still brings you a lot more than just following uh, one ETF. Do you
0: notice, uh, does your Elliott Wave analysis coincide with the feedback and the emotions that you hear from your investors in terms of, I'm going to take my money out? I mean, how do they coincide?
1: Yeah, the, the last week is a typical example that people are sending mails. I'm getting worried because you have been going down for three months in a row and you're down 6% year to date now after a run of, what was it, 85%. and Uh, you know, people always expect their investments to go up every week or every month. Uh, We had huge inflow in the last few months, so all these new investors they want to see stocks going up, of course. I understand that. Um, but this coincides, this negative sentiment coincides with the well, the Elliott wave count. And if you look at the Elliott wave, you always have an acceleration in the downturn, and that's most of the time the, the, the end phase of the correction. And we had an acceleration. Uh, in decline of gold price this week, you know, we went south of 1700. And we were quite sure that this marked the bottom. And we were active in the market to buy uh, this week. Um, I think we ended the month down, uh, March, uh, one or two percent. So that, that's, very, uh, that's a very small loss. Uh, and once this correction is over, um, also from an Elliott Wave point of view, you can expect uh, a very, very strong rally because this will be phase three in 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 the Elliott wave count, and that's the strongest phase. And it will take longer than the rally we saw last year, and and, and it will bring more profits percent wise um, compared to the rally we had last year. So <laughs> this is a time to buy. This is not a time to sell, and. Um, um, I, I gave another interview uh, in which i um, uh, predicted or I, I said i expect the next rally um to see uh, later this year my, my, it could start even this week or next week but the next rally will i think bring returns between 30 and 80 percent in our in our space and and i'm i'm still a bit conservative by by, by, um, by giving these numbers because i wouldn't be surprised have a 100% move in the GDX or the or the SIL because the, if we look at silver, that's an explosive situation out there.
0: So the, when you say 100% move in this year or just in the next leg three?
1: In, in in the next rally, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised to see a 100% move in gold and silver related equities, especially on the junior side. Um, and, and the next rally could start as soon as this month, uh, and I think that rally will um, will take at least seven to fifteen months to to complete. So it, it could bring us well into twenty twenty two as well. Um, but if you look at other technical indicators, if you look at other charts. We just finished a very long bottoming pattern. If you look at silver or the GDX, yeah, you have the cup and handle formations. You have these ultra long bottoming formations. Um, if you look at uh, the, the HUI index and compare that to where it was trading the last time, was trading around 1700, 1800. You know, in 2011. Um, it, it could double overnight and not, uh, still not be very overbought um, based on uh, the, the fundamentals. If you look at the uh, w- one example, we're buying a junior gold miner, uh, Calibre, um, which is um, producing gold from two, two mines in uh, Nicaragua. I visited them last year, just before the lockdown. They have a PE of five, five. And they have huge exploration upside. They just signed a deal with Rio Tinto to um, to, uh, to explore Nicaragua together for the next 10 years. I've been there myself. There's, it, it, the country is very unexplored. So you get all the exploration upside for free. and You, you have to produce your trading at the PE of five. It's, it's amazing.
0: Do you think that's because of the jurisdiction? Is that why it's so discounted?
1: It's even more discounted because of jurisdiction, but if you look um, to our industry as a whole, um, there's so there's so much value out there, especially in the junior space. Uh, we still invest in companies which have great assets, they already have a discovery, and then they're trading. The, the, the full market cap or the full, full enterprise value is around 20 million. You know, Look at tech stocks. <laughs> They're not valued at 20000000 million, they're, they're valued at $20 billion. <laughs> um, uh, So th- th- there's such a strong undervaluation in commodities. And um, actually, we follow one indicator closely, and that's um, the valuation of commodities compared to uh, S&P 500. We made a 100-year low in November 2020. A 100-year low in the valuation of commodities compared to the SP 500. We had a retest of that low last week. So, yes, last year we had an 85 percent return, and you can still invest. You can still start investing at one at a 100-year low valuation in in the commodity space. So it's insane, especially especially if you, if you take in, into effect the amount of money creation and and uh, the IMF just decided to build a whole new layer on top of the fiat system by creating a large amount of SDRs now and uh, well, uh, well I, I think it it has never been more uh interesting to start uh, investing into into this space um li- like like um, like the moment we have now because we know the bull market has started. Um, You didn't pick the exact bottom, but you're very close to the bottom, and the the upside is is incredible. And yeah, sorry for my long answer, but I I just um, was reading a study by Bloomberg this morning. There has been a seven-year production deficit in palladium. There has been a five-year production uh, deficit in platinum. We have a list in our office of all the metals showing a production deficit. So that means the physical demand higher than world's mine production. And there are 10 metals on that list. And that list is growing every year.
0: Doré Copper Mining is a premier, near-term, high-grade copper and gold redevelopment opportunity with tremendous exploration potential only 14 kilometers from the town of Chibougamou in mine-friendly Quebec. Doré Copper is debt-free and owns a 2,700 ton per day mill with an 8 million ton tailings facility ready to be used. There is already power to site and it is accessible by paved highway and rail. Doré Copper aims to produce a profitable hub-and-spoke operation of over 100,000 gold-equivalent ounces per year or over 60 million pounds of copper equivalent by 2024. Because of the existing infrastructure and location, a low capex is anticipated to recommence production. Dore Copper trades under DCMC in Toronto and under DRCMF on the OTC. To learn more, go to DoreCopper.com. That's DoreCopper.com. Willem, I remember a year ago when we spoke, uh, one of the things you said was that we're facing a once-in-a-lifetime commodities bull market. And uh, I've talked to several people over the last few months, and the jury is still out for a number of, number of them, analysts that focus on commodities, and they're not convinced that we're going to see a commodity super cycle, and they're not convinced, some of them, that we're going to see high inflation. So when you look at your thesis and your expectation as you're laying it out, what would be possible wink- Weak links in your thesis, if you had to identify them yourself.
1: There's only one risk, and that's a deflationary collapse. And we all know it. It ain't going gonna happen because central bankers. You know, we had a deflationary collapse in 2008. We had a deflationary collapse in March last year. And you know what central bankers do? They will double down. They double down. Look at. Look at the growth of central bank balance sheets after the corona crash of last year. It was times three or five compared to after the Lehman crash. Before the Lehman crash, um, the central bank balance sheets, the total amount uh, of um, uh, central bank balance sheets was uh, less than 5 trillion. It's almost 30 trillion now. And we see an acceleration of the trend. So the money printing is getting into overdrive. We have uh, the IMF now building this SDR layer on top of uh, the current fiat money system. Um, I wrote a book in 2013, it's called The Big Reset, predicting that one day the IMF would begin to start using their balance sheet because the IMF has a virgin balance sheet. So they can print trillions and trillions and it's a great way to hide more money ha, uh, has been printed because uh, they, they, they can hide it. You know, they use the SDR. The SDR consists of the dollar and the pound and the euro and the yen and the renminbi. But they, they print all these five currencies in an indirect way by using the SDR. And when people are interested in this topic, they should go to our website and they can download the Big Reset for free. And uh, it's all there.
0: So you look for world class discoveries, and in the past, you've told me you're commodity agnostic. Obviously, you focus on the precious metals for the monetary reasons. So you're bullish there, but have you invested in any niche metal uh, discoveries recently? Um, Graphite, you know, something rare earths, uh, something like this.
1: We have been quite active with some um, investments into the graphite space and uh, rare earth element space in the last few years. But we learned it's a very, very tough market. Um, the The size of the physical metal markets for graphite or rare earth is only a few billion a year. And now all these juniors saying they have the next big thing and they will all go up in a hype when there's a hype we now we have a gri- uh, hype around graphite we had some graphite holdings and um, we sold them on the hype um, so I, I i wouldn't advise investors to um, to invest in exploration companies working on these kind of metals because it's very difficult uh, to do good research even for us to understand the winners. And um, so as a fund, we held back in investments in in, in, in the space you mentioned. So we prefer to play the EV revolution, the Tesla revolution, as you might uh, call it. Um, um, And we, we, we prefer to play through the copper and nickel discoveries because They will be winners for sure. And um, these markets are much more mature. And there are, of course, always major companies willing to buy these assets. And Blackstone is a great nickel discovery um, in Asia. That's that's, that's a great company. We're adding to that one. And and we like the big copper discoveries. And, um, um, well, that's why we focus on
0: what about Chalice, uh, that discovery in Australia? Are you in that one also? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Amazing discovery. Uh, PGMs and nickel and copper. Um, but if you look at valuation, it's uh, almost $2 billion now. Um, maybe it's not stretched because it could be a, a, a real world class discovery of size. But we took uh, quite a bit of profit on that one. I think we sold 80% now. Um, we still have a position because, uh, yeah, all well, this could be the new foizy Bay, but um, the jury is still out, of course. Uh, but once a junior exploration company has seen the run from 30, 40 million towards 1 billion, we always start to take a lot of profit because it, it's very difficult for a junior exploration company um, after a discovery from run to run from 1 billion to 2 billion or 3 billion. So you don't have a 10-bagger a, a anymore after you reach 1 billion. So we prefer to take profit and to invest uh, the money in the, in, in the new discoveries, which could be another 10-bagger. And especially in Australia, we, we invested in quite a number of new discoveries who are still valued around 50 to 150 million. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the space we like. So when, when there's a serious discovery and um, the stock has already jumped uh, from, let's say, 20 million to 50 or 80 million, but when it's a good discovery, you know, 50 or 80 million is still cheap. So we like the run from one hundred million to to half a billion or, or one billion. That's what that's what we focus on.
0: And one more question before you go, Willem, uh, could you describe to us the deal flow that's being brought to you? How would you assess the quality of the deal flow since you've been at this now for about fifteen years?
1: Yeah, that that it, it's it's almost troubling the amount of deals we get uh, thrown at us and. Um, um, we start to be real picky. Uh, we did a large number of private placements in April, May last year. But then when we reached July, August, September, um, we thought the low-hanging fruit was was gone and things were getting a little, uh, well, maybe overvalued and everybody wanted to invest in, 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 in the resource space. So that's when we scaled down a little. Um now we're getting more and more selective um we participated in uh, in over 100 private placements last year um i think we've done 30 in the first quarter this year but we want to end the year maybe 60 or 70 private placements so we're getting very selective and because our fund has grown quite a bit from 50 million canadian last year to over 170 million canadian now uh, our ticket size becomes larger, so we don't invest fifty thousand dollars in a company anymore. It, it should be at least two or three hundred thousand dollars. So you get a little bit more selective,
0: and it makes you have to do private placements in a lot of these stocks because some of them only trade two to seven thousand
1: dollars worth a day of shares. Yeah, so that you don't have any exit. Uh, and look, look at what, look at Eric Sprott. Eric Sprott, you, you know he. <laughs> He invests in so many companies, hoping that a few will be winners and, and that will happen. But he, he accepts that he can't sell the other ones. You know, mm-hmm. They will be in his portfolio forever. But he, he, is, he is investing for his family, office for his, for his own book. <laughs> and we are investing um, for our, um, 1,400 high net worth investors. And we can't have all these positions in our portfolio which we can't sell anymore so we we will never take that approach so we're a little different than Eric Sprott we often are joining him in um, private placements Uh, we try to be more um, like a lead investors in in, in, like a lead investor in certain private placements we want to be more active instead of of reactive so we want to start to initiate our own deals um, and uh well, um we could use a little help in that respect, um because I think there's a lot of money to be made if you um if you initiate your own deals in which you can ask for a full warrant and you help selected companies um to become more successful and
0: as part of your negotiations, do you say, you know, we're going to give you 2 million, but you have to cap this raise at 5 million? Because I've seen the lead orders and then the whole placement, it's, the terms are too good. <laughs> and so it ends up being too dilutive sometimes.
1: Yeah. Um, well, of course, as an investor, you're on the good side of the trade. When you can say to a company, we have 2 million available for you. But then we want um, uh, a deal which is, um, well, very beneficial to us. That's the way Eric Sprott, Eric Sprott works. You know? uh, if Eric Sprott enters a um, private placement, um, he has a profit almost right away because he always enters um, below the level the stock is trading at. He always gets the warrant. And... Often, because Eric Sprott makes the deal, uh, many other investors think um, follow him and think that's that's a great company. So, when you grow the fund like we have done in the last few years, you get more power in the markets and you can build almost uh, your own success when you work together with good juniors. And I I hate I hate to play the uh, the the Vancouver games in which you uh, finance uh, lousy companies, but just for the cheap paper. So we we will only invest in very strong companies and very strong projects.
0: Excellent. And your website again is, is it cdfund.com?
1: Yeah. And if you uh, Google for commodity discovery funds, you will uh, always find it.
0: Excellent. Well, Willem, I know you were on a ski break. You beautiful cabin there you have in Switzerland. So thanks for taking time out of your day to speak with me.
1: Well, today I've been on the slopes. There was the very first uh, time in a few weeks because uh, I have Bloomberg here in the office. Uh, so this is where I work. Um, so don't get the wrong impression.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're still working. Yeah, a yeah, little work, I'm a little play.
1: Well. 12- 12 12 hours a day at least. Okay.
0: Well, you need to uh, decompress right on the slopes, you know, (laughs) to deal with the stress. All right, well, thank you for coming on today's show. Thank you again.